Before we begin our show today, we do have some sad news to share. On December 29th, writer Jackie Casada passed of COVID complications. Jackie began working for White Wolf Publishing in the early 90s and worked on many of the classic games, including Wraith the Oblivion, Mage the Ascension, and Changeling the Dreaming, among many others. She's survived by her partner, Nikki Ray, who is also recovering from COVID and could use your support. If you have anything you can spare, you can get the Jackie's Dreaming Collection of Changeling 20th Anniversary PDFs on Bundle of Holding, proceeds going to Nikki Ray. Or you can donate directly via the GoFundMe page set up for Nikki, of which links will be in the show notes. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the spell focus worth at least 1,000 gold pieces to my fifth level divination, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. You know what just happened? What just happened? I continued my streak of first take complicated word intros. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You keep throwing me those curveballs. Hey, man, you, you said you wanted hard. I... I like it. I like it. It's a good challenge. I'm not. I'm not one to disappoint. Like, yeah, I, I, I go for the weird stuff. The obtuse. That Is that obtuse? obtuse? That was obtuse. It's 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 just a, the divination spell from uh, fifth edition. You just need a thousand gold piece spell focus in the form of a crystal ball or a mirror or several other things. Well, as usual, we want to get this first episode of 2021. Started with a proper thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. Thank you very much. You guys are helping us keep the lights on for this now what year five of our show. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, yeah we're in year five. We yes. just started year five. Yes, but we are not five years old yet. We are working towards year. No, five. no, no. We are in year five. Yes. Okay. I'm all. I'm. I'm very confused on that. Uh, I, the show started right when my boys were born, so it, it anything that's not that doesn't match just gives me confusion. It's like, no, my boys are four. Damn it! <laughs> we're gonna make it through this together. Okay, okay. Before we get to the national day, we always, of course, want to say thank you very much. You guys are helping us keep the lights on, the servers humming, and all the other assorted nonsense that we have blathering out of our minds, streaming onto the internet, where it will live forever or perhaps temporarily in infamy or joy whichever you you choose to embrace hopefully not infamy there's been enough infamy since we've been gone I, I, yeah i feel like on the infamy scale we really have nothing to worry about at this point <laughs> it's kind of nice you not, know not, other people on wood. ahead and level set the hell out of that not knock on wood i'm, I'm not i don't want to test that i don't want to test that yeah you, let's not don't test fate yeah we we were we were making cracks in the last episode about 2020 trying to put one last swing on us and and you know Ooh, boy yeah yeah. So yeah, knock on wood. We're just we're just not going there. Don't tempt fate. So tell us what is our national day today? Oh, it's a it's a good one. It's a good one, Jonathan. Happy National Popcorn Day. Now that's something I can get behind. Yeah, it's sad because they they you know tell you to go have it at the movie theater or something, and yeah. Oh, but, yeah. that's that's uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. awkward. Yeah, but I've got an air popper, so yeah, just pull out that air popper or whatever and make some popcorn today and enjoy it using the hashtag. National Popcorn Day. So, true story about popcorn. Um, 
I worked at a movie theater when I was younger. I think we've talked about that on the show. And uh, unfortunately, there was a moment for about five years after I worked at that movie theater where I could not have popcorn. It would just make me physically ill. When I was working at a FLGS when I was in college, uh, the people who worked at the round table pizza right next door really liked us for some reason. And I, I, I don't know what we did for them, but we must have saved them from like a horrific fate at some point. So they always gave us like really, really good discounts if we ate there. And uh, I, I could not eat round table pizza forever. Like I was just so sick of it. Like I had yeah, it that's, probably that's literally every day because we got like the really good employee like, you know, discount. So it was like there was no reason not to eat there every day because it was like by far the cheapest thing. And, and we had a Del Taco in the complex, if that's telling you anything. So, yes, fresh baked pizza, Del Taco, the pizza's cheaper. Like think about that. You know, everything has a place in this world, Robert. And while I stand before you sober right now, I would say, no, Del Taco does not sound good. You get me at a two or three in the morning after I've been drinking all night in my 20s, there is nothing better than Del Taco. Nothing. Mm-hmm. 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 It hits the spot for drunk people, without a doubt. Hashtag the more you know. Na, 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 na. Something else that we did last year, we upped our predictions to four, Jonathan, and then we kind of just sort of forgot about it last time. Because <laughs> that sounds like us. Yeah, yeah. So do, do we do we want to up our predictions to four? Do we want to like make another one sometime soon? And and I, you know what? Honestly, given the last three hundred and sixty-five days, I'm going to go with a no. <laughs> there is no predicting the world right now. Like nothing makes sense anymore. Down is up. Up is down. And I'm just afraid that if we make a prediction, an asteroid will come and destroy the world. So, no. no, Okay. We're we're happy at three. Maybe next year if 2021 behaves better than it it has so far. I think think that's fair. I think that's fair. And one one last little bit of of stuff. So, last episode, we – we were going to check up on something and then get back to you noble listeners in the next segment. And we kind of like completely forgot what we were supposed well, to we check. We forget that we needed to get back to something. Yes. We just forgot what right. we needed to get back to. Right. So we said we would update you in 102. And here we are, Jonathan. How is your little lamp? All right. Hold on. I'm grabbing it. Ready? That click was the sound of light shining from my lamp because my dogs did in fact get into the cables and unplug it. There we go. I know you were waiting with bated breath for a whole month, noble listener, but we have cured that, I guess. I don't know. Like any good TV show or movie, you know, we, we, we know exactly how to put the cliffhanger in. <laughs> yeah, that was a great cliffhanger. Oddly enough, that cliffhanger, better quality than anything in Johnny English, but we'll be talking about that soon. <laughs> I've been knocking it out of the park with movies lately. Oh, God. I think we're going to take your privileges away. No, Matt. No, no, no. There's there's stuff to be said about John English. I'm so glad we watched it. it there, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, I, we'll get. I, to I, that. I have thoughts. We'll I have thoughts. That. I I do not think it was a good movie. Spoiler alert. But yes. Anyway. Anyway. Moving on. Moving on. Hey, you know I don't have anything to say. I got all excited when I saw the the who the director of Remo Williams was, and my God, what a travesty of a movie that was. So, that that's true. I'm, that. I'm going to own up to that. That was a bad call. That movie did not age well. And as it turns out, neither did this one. We'll talk more soon. So it's been busy, Jonathan. It has been busy. Our, our listeners have been doing stuff and sharing with us. We have been doing stuff. So we're, we're going to machine gun this next segment, which, of course, is 
segment number one in our show, our off-the-shelf segment. This is where we talk about all the things that we've gotten off of our shelves, onto our tables or media centers or whatever, and into our hearts. And yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff. So we're not going to any detail on any of this stuff. We're just going to machine gun it because there is a ton of stuff to cover. All right. All right. So where should we start? I don't know. Like, there's a lot of stuff. I have a weird miniatures thing because we decided that Legos could be included in miniatures, right? Y- yes. Go. Okay. So I had Lego sets that I built over the break. Okay. <laughs> My wife and kids went uh, to visit uh, her mother for uh, a couple of days uh, early in December. And well, while my wife was gone, I had nothing to do but watch the dogs and high five. And so I had been sitting on a uh, box of the Lego Stranger Things set oh, for okay. quite some time. And I finally decided to sit down and build it. And my goodness, what an awesome set. So if you've not seen pictures, go find pictures. But essentially, the set is uh, the house, uh, uh, Will's house. I can't remember his last name. Yeah. And it's Will's house in both the real world and the upside down. And the way they do it is uh, you build the ground, and then you have the house on top, and then you build a separate ground, and you have the house from the upside down, but everything is colored black and gray and blue. And then you merge the two together, and the whole thing stands on two giant trees, and you can flip it upside down so that you're either looking at the upside down version of Will's house or Will's house. And then they have all kinds of neat stuff from the show sprinkled in the set. It's so good. Yeah, I saw the set. It was it was pricey. Couldn't quite justify it. I mean, it's not the priciest thing uh, from Lego that I've picked up. But um, yeah, there's a reason that I only buy like one or two Lego sets a year. And it's because that was not inexpensive. Yeah, it looks. But super that cool, being though. said, it was so worth it. And now I have a Lego hopper, and my life is complete. <laughs> like, there's nothing better in this world than looking up at that and seeing. The, my eye always goes to Hopper first, and he's my spirit animal, and I love him. And my Lego hopper is the best. All right, all right, I like it. I like it. And then many years ago, actually, almost five years ago now. Uh, I bought the Lego Ghostbusters Firehouse set. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in your in your house. Yes, and it's just been sitting there waiting for the opportunity. And this year, um, with the new job and all, I had uh, a, basically a week and a half break where I wasn't working. And so I sat down with the kids and we started building it. And we have completed the uh, first story and half of the second story. And we're, we're slowly chipping away at it. It, too, is just a love letter to fans of Ghostbusters. It is so good. Nice. I'm I'm very impressed by it. And also, it's a very complicated and very interesting build. So it, it, it's amazing. Now, uh, at this point, the kids and I have been working on it for three weeks. And basically, like, in a night, we can do a bag. And I think we're on weeks, or pardon me, bag seven of 14. So it's it's taken some time. Wow. But I'm, I'm glad that it is because it is... Um, it's really, it's genuinely the most amazing Lego set I've ever built. It's really neat. So yeah, we're all working on it together, and hopefully, uh, it, I'm thinking that it's probably going to be done maybe by Valentine's Day. That's what we're shooting for. Rad. I like it. Did I send you pictures of the Lego? No, set? no. Okay, hold on. I'm going to send you some while 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 we sit here. Did, any any construction from your end? No, no. We had our biannual snow yesterday. I know. Oh, have you had snow at all in the last couple of years? 
we had a light dusting two years ago, uh, enough to make a couple snowballs and have a fight, but not enough to last more than about two hours, three hours. Uh, but uh, yesterday we got a, a solid like three to four inches of, sh- of snow. Wow. Yeah, it was like a legit snow. Was it actual snow or was it the little pebbles that fall from the sky? Because last no, time no, it's no- it was big, giant, fluffy clumps of flake uh, of flakes. It, it looked like cotton candy falling from the sky. Oh wow, it was legit. Because yeah, I yeah, the last time I saw snow like snow snow in, in Texas was years ago. I think it was before. Oh, actually no, it was that was the reason Eowyn got born. Come to think of it. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Nobody wants to hear that story. If anybody wants to hear that story, no, let me no, let let, let me know in the AMA Stop. in in like what family for friendly podcast. Damn it, 150, 150. I'll save that story for the AMA if anyone wants to hear it. <laughs> uh, hold on, I'm going to send you some pictures of the snow just so you can see. I saw pictures of the snow. Your wife, your wife was sending out pictures of the snow. Um, I took some uh, while I was cruising around just to kind of give you an idea of how much fell. Mm. It's pretty impressive. All right, well, let's move on to video games. Uh, As always, it is the holiday season, which means there's tons of new games. And I was lucky enough to get a few, and I think you were too, right? Uh, I didn't get really anything new, but I, I, I was playing stuff, yes. All right, well, let's dive right in. I totally didn't buy this for Black Friday for myself. No, I got it for Christmas, I assure you. They had a really good bundle at Walmart for getting a Nintendo Switch Pro controller with uh, Super Mario Odyssey bundled in with it. So we got that. And uh, my boys love Mario. It's bizarre. Like, I don't I don't know how they know who Mario is, but they, they asked me to play that game because they like watching Mario run around and collect moons or stars or whatever he's collecting at the time. Yeah, I mean, it legit like there's characters that just transcend media now and they're just known. Yeah, it's, it's almost genetic at this point. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre. Uh, and then uh, I, there was a role-playing game, and I was thinking about buying it, but I have a whole bunch of Switch games I haven't bought, so I decided to dig down to that, and I dug down into my Sega Genesis collection, and I started uh, going through uh, Shining Force, the original, which is a very... Oh, what a lovely game! Yeah, it's it's a very, by today's standards, basic tactical battle game, but... Uh, it wasn't at that time. Well, yeah, and, and I gotta say, there's something kind of enjoyable about the simplicity of it. Like, you know... A lot of better games have been built off of that game's shoulders. Yeah, but sometimes it's good to go back and, and realize yeah. what your keystone was. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I've been enjoying that. What about you? I was lucky enough to pick up an Xbox Series X uh, over the holidays. Minor miracle. Still haven't been able to secure a PlayStation 5. Ditto. Uh, so because I had that, I decided to spend a little money on software, and I picked up uh, the Call of Duty Cold War. Mm-hmm because it had been optimized for the Xbox Series X. And uh, what a pleasant surprise that ended up being. I enjoyed the campaign. I won't call it great. It's not as good as the first Black Ops was really the the, the best Call of Duty campaign I think I've ever played because it was an interesting and unique story. Uh, this is good. I won't call it great. But the, the multiplayer has me hooked. I've got like 40 hours into it. Hmm. I just am having a great time. The, the map design is really quality. There's only really one one huge stinker in the bunch. The the rest of the maps are really pretty solidly designed, and I'm uh, they 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 balanced out the time to kill ratio, and it's just it's fun. I'm having a great time with it, which is uh, more than I can say for quite a few Call of Duty games. Uh, and I also got um, a, 
a gift from my brother. He sent me Immortal. Well, he sent me a, a gift card, and I used it to get uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising uh, when it was on sale over the holidays. Oh. And that is basically Zelda Breath of the Wild uh, meets Greek mythology with a very adult-oriented, and not in a skeevy way, but in actually quite a clever and funny way, uh, a very wink-wink, nudge-nudge, script of uh dialogue between uh zeus and oh hell what's the name of the guy that, that, that constantly got the, the ball going down the hill and he needs to go up it not hephaestus he, he was the blacksmith it's um sisyphus is it sisyphus or is that the guy in hell no it's no it's prometheus i think it's prometheus but he was getting his liver eaten never mind it's prometheus yeah and a really uh, script between um, uh, Zeus and Prometheus. So it's really, really, I don't know. I'm having a really good time with it. It's fun exploration, great action, um, borrows heavily from Assassin's Creed, but for all the right reasons. Nice. But it definitely feels like, hey, guys, we played Breath of the Wild. Do you think we can make this, but with uh, uh, an interesting story and with Greek mythology? Yeah, okay. All right, let's do it. I liked Breath of the Wild's story. I'm not saying the Breath of the Wild had a bad story. Okay. I wouldn't say it had a deep story, though. So no, you, could, you could definitely build on that. This is deeper. Fair. Picked up Destiny 2 because it's on Game Pass. It's pretty much the same. Uh, you know, the game would be infinitely more playable if I was able to get into the world more because they do such a bad job with the world building. And unfortunately, I'm just, uh, yeah. The menu system makes it very frustrating to play that game. There's a lot of things that make it very frustrating to play that game. Yeah, I just, I want to like it. I really do, but I just, nah, I can't fine. get into it. No, nah, they they decided that they, they made it too casual friendly and they made it hardcore. And all that seemed to do was uh, in any given week, I could get, I, ha- I had enough time to get everything, air quotes, done on all three of my uh, characters of all three of the classes. And when they changed it, I was lucky if I got everything done on one character. And, you know, there's a difference between, because they didn't, like, amp up the content. They just amped up the grind. And that just sucked. Like, yeah, there is there is a difference between grind and content. And they kind of forgot about that. There are some interesting ideas, especially with the world. I want to know more about the world. Uh, unfortunately, they just forget to tell you. Yeah, the new expansion was supposed to fix that because they, they they were supposed to streamline the entry level stuff a little bit. But I have not played it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, we did start new characters and we played like through three or four missions. Hmm. There's also a game called Tetris Effect on Game Pass, which uh, has now been installed on every machine in the house. And uh, as it turns out, my wife is addicted to losing to me uh, in Tetris Effect. Is that the Battle Royale one? No, it's pretty standard Tetris, but man, it's got some trippy visuals. Hmm. Word to the wise, uh, do not play this game inebriated because it will mess with you. Cool. EVE Online, I see. Yeah, so I keep seeing all the advertisements for EVE Online, and so one day I just clicked on it and installed it, and I have been kind of messing around with it, and... Inherently, you know, the game really does speak to me because it's uh, flying around space in a spaceship and exploring. And I'm kind of down with that. Um, I don't know how grindy it is yet. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, like, what to expect because I'm still doing all the tutorial stuff. I just did this, like, two days ago. So I really am just now getting into it. So I'll I'll report back. 
Um, I am a little scared because I'm not going to want to lose uh, my progress, which I understand this is a very cutthroat world. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know if the, the game does anything for me. Jonathan? Yes. You, you learn skills in real time in that game. Like, and some skills it takes literal months to train. Just right, saying. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll okay. see how it goes. Um, I picked Just Cause 4 up because it was on Stupid Sale uh, the other day. I think. Yeah, it's was, probably because it was free for PlayStation owners the other week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it was like 650 and uh, they also optimized it for the Xbox Series X. So I was like, okay, for six, $650, I'll, I'll do it. And um, I'd forgotten how much fun that game was, the Just Cause series. Like, the, there's a reason that I have adored the previous games, and that's because it gives you freedom to do anything. And that's awesome. yeah. The, that one got really bad reviews and I was playing it for a little bit and I, I didn't really get why it, it changed. Cause I played three a lot and it changed. Three stuff. was amazing. Yeah. And four, I don't know. I don't know why people seem to really hate it for some reason. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just in the first like two hours of the game. So, yeah, ditto. so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, also got into a free to play game with two buddies, uh, rogue company. Uh, been playing a lot of that. Um, it's a nice diversion. I won't call it great. I will call it adequate. <laughs> and you don't have to think real hard when you're playing it. So maybe that's why I'm enjoying it. Because I'm just, you know, talking with my buddies while I play it. And then finally, uh, I wanted to test the backwards compatibility of the Xbox out. So I downloaded my um, license of Crimson Skies, Hydro, High Road to Revenge, and ended up playing through the entire campaign. Because the Crimson Skies universe is awesome. So does the Xbox, like, does it play it any prettier or is it just... Yeah. So not only is it able to play any game uh, for the that's ever been released for any model of Xbox, but it applies the processing power to give you a higher frame rate and it upscales it to 4K. And frankly, it looks real pretty. Like, I was genuinely impressed. Um, let me see if I have something to send you here. Hold on. So, yeah, I think it looks really nice. And, I mean, I'm playing it on a 4K display, and it's it's all upscaled, and it looks gorgeous. I, I'm i actually really genuinely uh, impressed by how um, how well it's aged. Like, it looks really decent. And, I mean, at this point, it's, what, a 17-year-old game? The Skybox translated well. Yeah, like, like I said, it aged really gracefully, right? You wouldn't think that a 17-year-old video game would end up looking this nice. Like even the the even the model for the main ship looks beautiful, all things considered. Yeah, the 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 ground has a distinct lack of clutter, but that's about it. Yeah, and like the special effects aren't really like whiz bang, and the smoke effects are very you know, 17 years ago, but for for a game that is not running a remaster of any sort, that is the original game just running upscaled in 4K with a, more, a lot more power behind it. It's, it's, I thought it was really impressive. Well, let's get a quick one out of the way. How about reading? Do you read anything? No. Bum, 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 uh, I finished Babylon's Ashes. Uh, and then I, uh, I got my new book for the Expeditionary Force series. Uh, it came out in uh, December, and I plowed through that. Uh, so I finished that, and then I started the next book in the uh, Expanse series, which I think is book seven. Yeah, book seven, and that is uh, Persepolis Rising. Nice. So I've, I've been having a good time with the Expanse. I think um, I think I'm going back to nonfiction for my next book after this. I have a uh, book on my pile called Jacked, 
and it is about the uh, development of the Grand Theft Auto series. So that's that's next on my list, but I've still got quite a bit of uh, Persepolis to read, so we'll see how that goes. Okay, sounds good. Uh, now let's move on to uh, movies and TV. Yes, before we get started, we, we talked about the film Underwater last time. Uh, Brendan, first edition, gave us a, a thumbs up on that one, so we should watch that on the HBOs. Um. Oh yeah, I really want to watch that. Yeah, I, I saw I saw a picture I saw a picture of uh, the critter from Underwater, mm-hmm. and um, it totally reminded me of the board game uh, Abyss, and that just made me want to watch it more. <laughs> and, and you know, based off what was it last year or the year before, I, I had that that run of like '80s underwater action movies. Yeah. Well, this is a a, a 2000s, a 20s underwater action movie. So there you go. Yeah, we'll I'm see how the genre has improved because you know obviously what? it has. You know what? Tell me when you're watching it. Do you do you want to watch it together? Do you want to try and plan a watch party? We've done that before, and I've always had a good time with it. All right, all right. We'll, we'll try to schedule plan that. this out. Yeah, maybe next Monday or something. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out. Because see, if I tell it, if I tell it to you, I know, I know you'll 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 follow up with it. You're really good about that. <laughs> There's a good chance that I'll forget by the end of the the episode. Frankly, <laughs> I got a lot on my mind. It's fair. It's fair. All right, so getting the the easy stuff out of the way. Uh, watch a little bit more Cobra Kai. It's good. I I'm still behind, so don't don't spoil it. I, I we we stopped watching it because we got HBO. So, <laughs> so we uh we uh yeah. Um, so me and Judah started watching Titans on the HBO. The uh, the Dar- Grim Dark Teen Titans show. Oh yeah, is that any good? Yeah, worth watching. Yeah, I uh, okay. I like it. Yeah, it's made by the same people who do like you know the Flash and Arrow and all that. Uh, it is a little grimdark, you know. I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I've still been enjoying it because it's um, it's grim, but it's it's got some comedy in it. Kind of the a little bit of the Teen Titans goofiness, but it's it's got mature storytelling, which I'm told is much closer to the Teen Titans comics of the '70s. But yeah, I've been having a good time. I like it. Uh, Star Trek Discovery finished up its uh, its season three. And ultimately, season three was not as good as season two, but still very much an improvement over season one, so I'll forgive it. And I'm glad there's still the future. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get more of that next season because, uh, yeah, exploring the 32nd, 33rd, whatever century is uh, probably the best move for that 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 show because it uh, gets it out of the prequel territory, which is problematic. Although they're going to step right back into that with Strange New Worlds. Also, we canceled CBS because if, if there's, there's no reason to have that if there's no Trek. So yeah, I need to get caught up. I I don't know. I got distracted by other things, and the, the call of discovery wasn't enough this season so far. I'm, I'm hoping the second half of the season is better than the first half, which is not to say it was bad. Just there, there, there's a point where uh, where uh, Michael's character stops kind of being wishy washy about you know her character growth over the last season and 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 goes like oh yeah no i was totally a cool character at the last season wasn't i and then and then it, it gets really I, I, I guess maybe that's part of my problem with the yeah, first I, half of the season I, is because I'm, yeah no, no now her, that you say that say that out loud like that really resonates with me that really clicks and and tells me yeah that that is the problem because she went through that growth and then she kind of fulfilled the the promise of what michael could be i guess you could say in the second half of season two and this really does feel like she's completely reverted. Yeah, I, I get what they were going at because she was there for a while and she kind of became Han Solo and she's having problems readjusting, but they didn't write it very well. No. So, 
they did not. The, the episode it's after the episodes uh, that focus on Georgiou. That's when uh, that's when she kind of makes her call and becomes a, a good character again. So hopefully, and they and they gave a lot more to do to the uh, the other cast members this year, which is nice. I I still appreciate that. Th- those moments where they're you know not Michael is on screen have been really good. So. Not saying that Michael's bad. They just need to have less of her and focus on the ensemble because everybody else is really good too. They deserve to have some time. That's all I'm saying. Watched uh, something from the library called The Story of One. So it's a, it's a documentary narrated by Terry Jones. It was the last one of his I hadn't seen. Uh, it's about basically the history of counting and math. Uh, <laughs> but it's actually it's actually pretty good. Like it, it was kind of done in his sort of signature sort of – you know, documentary style of keeping it light and a little silly, but, you know, presenting good stuff about, you know, numbers, which you'd think would not be interesting, but totally was. Totally, completely was. Watched, uh, got from the library Childhood's End, because apparently that had been a miniseries on the Sci-Fi Channel four years ago, and I didn't even know. Uh, but I, I like me some classic sci-fi. Uh, miniseries was okay. It, it, that book, I could see why that book has problems, and they tried to fix them with because uh, that book hops around in time quite a bit, you know, because it flashes forward like fifty years in one point. So like all of the characters you knew just die, and they they are aren't there anymore because you know they're old as hell. And they tried to fix that by having characters <clears throat> throughout the whole thing by compressing the timeline a little bit, but it, it still didn't it didn't work all that good. Mm. But it it was okay. I mean, it was don't get me wrong, it wasn't bad, and. It's one of those things like they filmed it. They did an OK job. If somebody wanted to tackle it again, though, I'd be like, yeah, it could be tackled again. I, I think I'd, I think I'd be OK with that. And then, Jonathan, then. So my one of the Delta Green designers put a GIF on the interwebs, which is this is what D&D combat looks like at 12th level and above. And it was two guys just unloading automatic weaponry into each other and just eating all the bullets and it made me laugh when I saw that. And then I was, and then I. And you sent it to me. And yeah. it's absolutely true, by the way. Yes. FYI. Yes, yes. And then I think it was either you or it was my other buddy I sent it to. They were like, what movie is that from? And I'm like, I don't know. And I looked it up. It's from a it movie. It was me. Oh, was it you? Yeah. I'm sorry if I sent you down the rabbit hole. Oh, no. I'm, I'm glad you did. <laughs> it was from a little known. Uh, shoot, I think let me let me get the year right here. I mean, I'm just I'm looking at the cast right now, and dear God, how did I not know that this existed? Yeah, it, from the little known 1988 American buddy cop action zombie movie, starring Joe Piscopo, Treat Williams, and a little young Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Anthony Anthony Lepugli and Vincent Price are in it. Yeah, yeah. Good God, we're talking about Picardo's in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Did we're he ta- have hair? Y- he. It was thinning, but yes, yes, he did. Holy crap! I really do need to watch this. It, it's it's called Dead Heat. It was on Amazon at the time. Uh, the month rolled over between now and then, so I don't know if it's still there. Amazon Prime. I'm checking right now. Okay, it's it's worth a view. It's it's got its problems. It's an '80s movie. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it doesn't have its problems. But um, and we were watching it. My wife kept picking apart the plot, and I'm like, "This this is not a movie. You need to pick apart the plot. On the plot's terrible. You're not you're not here for the plot. It's it's oh, it's, it's still included. I can watch it now. Yeah, I I would recommend. It's, oh my god, have you seen the poster? I've seen the poster, Jonathan. I've Joe seen Piscopo the whole film. Being Joe Piscopo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they let him ad lib a lot of his dialogue, and it shows. <laughs> cannot wait yeah 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 back the late 80s back when you know sexism and a little homophobia sprinkled in played for laughs was funny 
that that Joe Piscopo is a lot of the problematic problematic elements of that film. But other than that, it's 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 just such a weird movie. It's so I'm so excited. Yeah, you should be. It's it's oh my it's god, bad. his name is Roger Mortis, mm-hmm. like rigor mortis. Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus. Joe Piscopo <laughs> plays Doug Bigelow. Oh, is he a male gigolo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk about problematic movies. Move it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so what do you watch? I watched oh. one more, but you have told me to wait because we're going to discuss yeah. it together because you watched it. So so go with your not-that-movie stuff. Okay. Oh, my God, Martha Quinn was the newscaster in it? Dude, I'm telling you, that movie is full of, oh, it's that guy or that gal or that person, you know? <laughs> Dude, you and I grew up with Martha Quinn. She was... The VJ of the eighties. Like, I I know, man. It's she's weird. on my list of first crushes for crying out loud. I, I it's dead heat. Like also, I said, still looking fabulous at sixty one. God bless her. Not 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 a movie without its problematic elements. And I'm I. It's probably not for the kids because then you got to explain it. But if you could just kind of like put all that to a side and just watch the sheer eighties insanity of it, of what I'm sure was a coke fueled like writer's room, worth. You're assuming they had a room. <laughs> Most people write in a room. I'm just assuming that room had a lot of coke in it. It could have been just a dude with a typewriter sitting in, like... Out on his patio with, like, some... car with, you know, 19 lines running through his veins. Nah, I I could see a guy out on his patio. He's got some gold around his neck. His chest is a little hairy. And he's wearing, like, like an overcoat with no shirt underneath, like a a nice sports coat. Yeah. Sunglasses. Maybe aviators. Maybe maybe something uh, a little more Ray-Ban. No, you know those, those big, thick 80s glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, I, w- I watched Gemini Man. You talked about that last time. Well, I I hadn't finished it last time. Oh, okay. Really? I watched a little bit more of it. <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Have you finished it? I watched a little bit more. Of it. <laughs> I think I think I think that stuff said right there, buddy. <laughs> it's ah, oh, man. I don't even know where to begin with it. All right, it's just a mess. And and here's there's elements that I do enjoy about it. Like Will Smith is always charming. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is always an amazing actress. Uh, the problem is that the the it just falls apart, and they choose to do CG instead of practical effects for stupid things, and it really just rips me right out of the movie. Like there's a scene with motorcycles. You, you talked all about. So, you've said all of this last time. You know that. Oh, God. Well, you know, nothing changed when I sat down and watched like another 20 minutes of it. And I, I, I'm in the last act and I just can't bring myself to finish it. It's, I just. OK, look, man, it's 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 my North Pole and I'm out there on the sled and I don't know that I'm going to live through this. <laughs> speaking of the speaking of the uh the december theme uh we we all sat down and watched jingle all the way which has aged pretty darn well all things considering you know i've actually never seen that movie what yeah and you and they brought it up on corridor crew uh in a recent episode and it, it reminded me i had never seen that's that movie. what reminded me to watch it yeah yeah so maybe is it is it streaming somewhere maybe i have to fix that we rented it. I think it was three bucks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good and, and it was worth it because it was it was the holidays, and I'm, I was just sick and tired of the children watching that that Kurt Russell Santa Claus movie for the eighteenth time. <laughs> I was like, I can't take it anymore. We're just going to watch this, and I'm glad that we did. I, I had a lot of fun. Not again, not without its issues. And there's a couple of little little things that are like, hey, the '90s were a different time, 
but for the most part, it, it ages pretty darn well. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, speaking of Christmas, though, it's not Christmas without Die Hard, and I jingled my jangle, and I watched the hell out of me some Die Hard. I still stand by that that movie has aged as gracefully as a movie from the 80s can. It's still fun, and really, honestly, like, it's not Christmas until I have my Die Hard. True, true that. Uh, and then, uh, Jessica had not watched Die Hard 5, ever? I don't think I have either, either. So we watched it. Is it is it is that Die Hard with the Ven- or Die Hard Die Hard with the Hackers or is this Die Hard in no, Russia? No, no, that's not Die Hard. That's Die Hard Four. No, okay. this is uh, Die Hard in Russia. Okay, yeah, I've never seen Die Hard in Russia. I think it's a good day to Die Hard. Yeah, there's there's a reason I think the series ended after that. Yeah, it wasn't a good day to Die Hard. <laughs> no, there, there's aspects of it that are enjoyable, uh, but it ends up devolving into a nonsensical, just travesty. I don't know how else to put it. Oh, I'm going to interrupt you right here since we're talking about it. Uh, Brendan over on the Discord suggested we watch a movie called The Congress. The Congress? Yeah, yeah. I it, It's at my library. It is currently waiting for me, but I have not watched it yet. But I, I want you. I want Brendan to know I'm thinking about him. You know, it came out uh, in 2013. Oh, with Robin Wright in it. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's sci-fi because... It, it's... Wait, yeah, he said it was based on a Philip K. Dick story, and he was wrong. It was by... Oh. Uh, since Saul Lem story, the guy who wrote Solaris. It, it oh wow, really? Yeah, Ooh. Solaris uh-huh. is uh, that's that's a. Uh huh. I've watched that film and I I have a hard time rewatching it. Not because it's it's not an excellent film, but because man, that just kicks you right in the throat. Feels. Yeah, well, it's based on a book. Incidentally enough, I actually read the book Dude, because I wanted to go see the fresh, movie. By the way, oh, there you go. But yeah, I, I wanted to read the book. Uh, before I watched the movie, and then I never watched the movie. <laughs> but I All never right, read well, the book. Remind me, and I'm I'm definitely down to watch this. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting it. I should be getting it Wednesday. It's it's waiting for me at the library. So I just All right, when when you watch it, let me know. I'll watch it too. I okay. will gladly watch it. Okay. This, anyway, this looks right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt your Die Hard Five. Is there anything more to say about Die Hard Five? It ended. Okay. Thank. Moving God. on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the Living Daylights. I watched it again twice, actually. You know, I had a weird reminder of that today. So I was doom scrolling f- through Reddit. So I guess I'll, I'll take off. Yeah, I need to stop doom scrolling, Jonathan. It's it's. I have not done like anything the last couple of days except just troll through Reddit and Twitter and and have impotent rage. But one of the things that came up and I sent it to you was the. Uh, uh, did you see it? Because you don't always see everything I send you because you're you know working when I send it to you and thus you. Yeah, I try and keep up. I really do. But sometimes if I'm working, I. I might inadvertently clear the the message and then you send me a couple of more things and then it's, you know, it's hidden. All right. So this is an article from The Independent dated Monday, December 6th, 1993. Headline, Anti-Soviet Warrior Puts His Army on the Road to Peace. And it is an article about Osama bin Laden. Oh, that's problematic. Yeah, and he's smiling in the camera. Anyway, so somebody posted that over on Reddit, and then uh, at the end of uh, somebody's random comment was, uh, you know, this is dedicated to all the noble fighters of the Mujahideen. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was on the Living Daylights. I remember that. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out that whole thing was a bit short-sighted, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'd say hindsight is 2020, but good Lord, 2020 carries some bad connotations now. You know what? I think in that case, hindsight was 2020. (laughs) Wow. I think think that phrase will take on a whole new meaning after this past year. Anyway, sorry about that. How how is The Living Daylights after watching all of Pierce's movies? 
Oh, man, it was like a breath of fresh air. I'm reminded of, of why we enjoyed it so much. It's just a good it's a good movie before it's a good Bond movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not overly reliant on gadgets. Instead, it focuses on telling a good story. And by far, you know, in a long time, with the exception of maybe GoldenEye, uh, this was the last time Bond showed character growth and character progression and was interesting. Agreed. Agreed. And then I watched a surprise. Okay. Priest. Haven't heard of it. With um, everybody's everybody's favorite android. Um, what's his name? Paul Bettany. God, I couldn't think of his name for a second. Okay. Uh, and Paul Bettany was great, and Priest was a surprise. I'm not going to call it a good movie. Let let let's 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 stop right there. If you're looking for a good movie, look elsewhere. What you get is a competently directed, interesting universe uh, that knows what it is and never tries to be more than it and so it ends up being a fun ride also you get carl urban as a uh, villainous vampire and who doesn't want carl urban as the villain in their movie is everybody's favorite android hunting this vampire yes because he's yep, that, a priest that, no more i'm on board i watched i'll watch vampire hunting movies I, okay yeah, and I'm it's done. streaming on amazon and when you watch it i enjoyed it so much i'll watch it again i want to watch it uh and live tweet it with you Okay, okay. Let's do this. Okay. Wow, we got a lot of movies we got to watch together. Okay. Shotgun shot that we're, we're getting no, almost over time. <laughs> uh, started watching uh, History of Swear Words on Netflix. Okay. It seemed appropriate for me. Uh, oh, that this, came out. Yeah. Oh, yes. God, there's too much and stuff to this watch. This is an opportunity for Nicolas Cage to fully embrace Nicolas Cage, and he's gone 100% Chris Walken. It's amazing. All right. Uh, also, it's really interesting to hear the etymology of a lot of these words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, that that's right up my alley too. I've just got too much stuff to watch. I, I got to finish two seasons of Titan, and there's something else I want to watch right now too. Uh, work through another four episodes of Haunting at Bly Manor. Uh, I am enjoying it better than Haunting at Hill House. It's not as scary and creepy, uh, but it is the better ghost story. Yeah, that's what I've heard about it. Uh, and it is the better. It's the better narrative, and it, I think. Which is not to say that the first one wasn't excellently written, but this is superbly written in every way. I watched the first like two hours of the Da Vinci Code because I never watched it when it was in theaters. <laughs> I like that one okay. Tom, it, it had Tom Hanks in it. Tom Look, Hanks could carry. I, I, a lot. I read the book many years ago, and, yeah. and I remember getting to the end of that book and putting the book down and going, "What the hell did I just read? And why did I finish it?" Yeah. It, it, it was like a like a like a like a cheeseburger from from like a bad fast food joint. Nice. You have a good time when you're reading it, but then you get to the end, you're like, "That was completely stupid and empty calories," and I'm going to be hungry in 20 minutes. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. The movie felt the same way. Yeah, the movie does feel the same way, which is probably why I've still got like 25 minutes to watch on it, and I'm having a real hard time going back to finish it. Like, I just don't feel the need to to get there. Also, oddly enough, Paul Bettany's in that movie. That yes, he is. Movie. He plays the albino. And then um, we all sat down to watch a movie, and I, Jessica and I were talking, and she really wanted to watch a good thriller. And I was like, well, there's really not many better thrillers than, you know, McTiernan in his heyday. Yeah. So we watched Hunt for Red October. Good thriller. A great thriller. Yeah. You know what? That movie, honestly, you take out USSR and you slap in Russia, it still works. Mm-hmm. That movie is taut. It's well-written, it's expertly directed, and it has one of the slickest 
switches in language I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, the Armageddon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just so good. So damn good. Like, you forget how good that movie is. Oh, I don't. It's probably I... been five or six years since I watched it. Like, yeah, no, I, I I like that movie a lot. It's... That, you know, I remember I went down to the Man 6 Theater. I walked there with my friends Beth and Sonia. Uh, and we watched the movie in in the theater that the summer that it came out, and I had already read the book because my my dad was passing me novels at the time. I I was a big reader when I was young, and so I'd read the book, and I remember just being so impressed because it was the first time that I remembered watching a movie from a book that captured the spirit of the book without disappointing me. It was the first great attempt at um, you know taking like a nine hundred page novel. And whittling it down into a two-hour experience. I'd agree. All right, time for the car accident. Ready? Yep. We both watched Wonder Woman '84. Yes, we did. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, Let me tell you, man. The, the first fifteen minutes, I was there. I was there. Yeah, I was loving it. Yeah, loving it. Yeah, they 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 filmed at the mall from Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the intro with Young Diana. And, yeah. And, you know, like I'm sitting there watching it with my girls and I'm like, check this out, guys. This could be you do this. And then they're in the mall and there's the wink and the little girl's like, yeah, Wonder Woman just winked at me as she kicked, you know, the bad guy's asses. And then the rest of the movie happened. And oh, that man, movie it, 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 had oh, wow. some of the laziest writing I've seen in such a long time. It's impressive. You, you know what it reminded me of? Hmm. Like when when they you, you see on Reddit and they're like, oh, we fed this computer 17 scripts. <laughs> this is what it spat out. That's what the, 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 the second two hours of that movie feels. Like. I, I don't know about that, but um, oh, no, 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 no. Because those are at least inadvertently funny. Like, like whoever wrote that script, like I I took a script writing class when I was in college and they broke script writing rules. Like really early on when uh, Barbara is going out to dinner with uh, Diana and it cuts to Diana going, (laughs) wow, you made me laugh. I haven't laughed like that in so long. Please. No, no, no. Don't tell a joke or say anything funny or warm right now about how I'm describing you as a character. Just take my word for it. Don't ruin the moment. Shh. You know? (laughs) And it's like it was like that that type of stuff was going on. There was just such lazy moments in there. And it's like, why you know not to do this. This is like screenwriting 101 and you're breaking them routinely. And like there were hints of like villain arcs that didn't go anywhere. And, and it was just so it was so weird. Like it was just such a weird, lazy, lazy film. That was like its main problem. Like, and uh, and it it gets so it gets lazier and lazier as it goes on. And the last like act fight scene doesn't make any friggin' sense. Like it's it's shot, it's cut together poorly, you know, because it just kind of kind of meanders and and doesn't, you know, it's just ah ah, so disappointing. Yeah, I'm I agree with everything you just said. And like and Ted, the, the, Ted Cord. The, okay, this is. This is something they should have straight up said in the movie because it was brilliant. Ted Cord should have asked his kid – or not Ted Cord. Sorry. Sorry. That's Blue Beetle. Uh, 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 Max Lord. Sorry. Similar names. Max Lord should have asked his kid, if you had a wish, what would you wish for? And the kid should have said, I'd wish for more wish – or if you could only have one wish and you could only get one wish, what do you wish for? And the kid would say, I wish for more wishes. And he goes, yeah, but you can't do that unless you figure out a trick because he figured out a trick to get more wishes. That's actually clever. They should have brought that up as why he did it, but he, they didn't, you know, but they very firmly established in that movie 
that you cannot get more wishes. Once you get a wish, you're done. And then he gives Krista, he gives Cheetah, Barbara Minerva, another wish, and it turns her into a, a cheetah. And it's like, how the hell did that happen? Like, how the hell did that happen? And they could have hand-waved it because she did technically wish when the thing was a crystal and not him. But, like, I don't think that counts. I don't think that counts. And we're not even going to get to how kind of creepy it was the way they brought back Steve Trevor or whatever. His oh, name no, was. no, no. Yeah, yeah. That was super creepy. And, yeah. And, and it's, it's highly problematic, especially given some of the theme, other themes in the movie. It, it seems contrary to the message you're trying to send yeah yeah and it just and it's also lazy it agreed lazy right and, and, and frankly dumb it was a dumb way to bring him back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it was just uh yeah that it was just the laziest script i've seen in a long time and it's a shame too because there's a lot to like about that movie not the least of which like like chris kristen wig like she she's a fine actress she did a good job with what she had oh, she did phenomenal yeah and Gal Gadot, for the same thing. But yeah, it just it uh, meandered. And- that, that, that's the biggest crime that this movie commits. There's 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 brief moments of the brilliance that was the the, the first movie. Like the first twenty minutes of the movie is, is that brilliance, and then there's little sparks throughout reminding you of how good this could be. And then it just yeah, I don't I don't know how else to say it. It just falls apart. It doesn't come together. Yeah. And it's not even my heart, really. Yeah, no, I agree. Like it, it was fine. I mean, there were parts of it that were fun, but just as the movie, and especially like thinking back on it, it's just it's so, it was just so lazy. Like uh, it was, uh, yeah. Anyway, thumbs down, (laughs) which is a shame. Yeah, that kind of like I said, it just broke my heart. It really did because I really enjoyed the first one. All right, well, let's finish it out with some happiness. Uh, this time we're going to talk about board games. And you and I both had a few things hit the table. Well, and not even that. The the, the, the listeners had stuff hit the table. First off, I want to advertise Sunday FMD Board Gaming Night, uh, 6 p.m. my time, I think 8 p.m. your time or so. Uh, yeah, we've been playing stuff on Tabletop Simulator and whatnot. Uh, yeah, Ray, Ray, that's like Ray's night off, so he's he's been like headlining that, and it's been uh, it's been fun. I, I need fun. to do more. Super yeah. fun. We've we've had a chance to do a couple, couple different things. Yes, which we're going to talk about. But I just wanted to, to yeah join our Discord and and join us on the board gaming. We still need to get together and finish our Star Trek game. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Ray uh, got a bunch of games. He got Stronghold Second Edition, Marvel United, which he still likes better than the Re- or he likes the Reckoners better for being deeper. But he he sees your points of view on it. He got some game called Apollo, which is about the moon landings uh, that he's been playing. With oh, his wife. I really want to. I really want to play that. That's that's pretty high on my list. Uh, he got one called Wits and Wagers, which is a trivia betting game, which sounds interesting. Exploding uh, exploding kittens and a game called Throw Throw Burrito. Which apparently you have a stuffed burrito that you throw at each other as part of the mechanics. Yeah, I've flirted with that several times at Target. I'm I'm having a real hard time not grabbing the giant burrito and taking it home so I can throw it at people. <laughs> so, uh, listener Brandon, uh, who was my old roommate back, who was my old college roommate, I guess, uh, he had to institute a house rule with his family after one of his daughters got hit in the nose. Oh, no, a bunch, got, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so the house rule in his his house is if you hit somebody in the face, you lose the burrito brawl and you have to take a bruise. And uh, funnily enough, the throws got much more accurate after that. Some would argue that they were accurate to begin with, it sounds like. <laughs> and, yes. and having children myself, I can I can assure you that that sounds like they were hyper accurate. <laughs> that's the kind of crap I can see my kids are doing. Now you got me second guessing whether or not I should bring that into my house. Maybe you just need to, that's why I mentioned the house rule, Jonathan. So our listeners would have that in the, in their, in their heads rattling around. 
it seemed like a good idea. All right, so you, want, you go first on, on board games. Okay. Uh, well, you and I are both playing a lot of Welcome To. Yes, we are. Um, yes, we I'm are. really thoroughly enjoying that game. I like it much better live than asynchronously, which is, I mean, it's the the story of every asynchronous game we play. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it does work yeah. best live. It, it really, yeah. Does. It, it it was funny that first game we were playing somehow simultaneously became my first game of Welcome to, and then my sixth game yeah, of Welcome to. Yeah, you and me both. You and me yeah. both. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, good time. I, I I've actually been thinking about picking that one up uh, uh, analog yeah, to play too. with the family. Me too. Uh, all based on on playing it online, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I legitimately want to play it with my kids because um, you know it's it's just got lo- good logic progression and and thinking about you know how to order things and paying attention to numbers and stuff like that, which I think is good for the uh, the children brain schooling stuff. Yeah. Um, but then it's you know it's pretty light, so it's not a big deal. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally I'm frustrated right now because I'm simultaneously excited and uh, you know irritated. Because in our our game, I think this is currently my highest scoring game yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, of course, this is the round that Ray chooses to like almost break a hundred. He's at ninety seven points right now. Jesus. Yeah, it's just silly. It's silly. I don't know how to catch him. Yeah. One day, one day, my neighborhood will beat yours, Ray. One day, but not today. Yeah, not today. So yeah, a lot of a lot of welcome to. Um, I got Rising Sun out on the table. Nice. Actually, the first time I had a chance to use my uh, neoprene mat, and uh, yeah, it was super fun. Super fun. I'd forgotten how how much fun Rising Sun was, especially from the political discussion aspect. Um, played a little bit of Flam Rouge with the kids. Really had a great time with that. And then yeah, it's a good game. Finally, um, played some pandemic with everybody and with the family. Yeah, it seemed oh, appropriate. Oh, how'd that go? Well, it went like every pandemic night, which is to say that uh, the first four times the game was brutal, and then all of a sudden we beat it like it was nothing. <laughs> that sounds about correct. Yeah, that's really how that goes. So. Uh, we went over to the grandparents uh, because they live out in the middle of nowhere and they never go anywhere. So I'm just going to lay that out there. I don't know. I got nothing. So brought Camel Up. We played some Camel Up with uh, Uncle Scott and everybody. Had a good time. Camel Up Second Edition is very good. Somebody put that in a tabletop simulator. It's kind of lame because they just took <laughs> the Camel Up that was already there and then just added in the uh, the, 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 the the wild camels. But whatever. <laughs> and the extra die, you know, but whatever. It works. Played some Rallyman GT with you and Ray, which you forgot about. Oh, I did forget about that. Yeah, yeah, on the Tabletop Simulator. We played it live. Uh, again, story of our lives. Much better game live. Uh, we had a really good time. Yeah, you know what? It, the live really does make a, a big difference because it, it makes everything have a different kind of urgency and a different kind of weight. Yeah, agreed. Busted out the fifth ingredient expansion for Potion Explosion and played with that a little bit. You know, I still haven't tried that fifth ingredient expansion. I really want to. It's fun. Uh, there's a lot of little bits and bobs you can add to it. We kind of went with the basic where uh, we added in the, the two potions that allow you to replace marbles with the, the wild ingredient thing to, to start, you know, adding them in slowly. That, that part worked really well. It was, it was uh, for a game we played a lot. It added in some new strategies, which was nice. I enjoyed it. And then with Ray, I don't think you were there. I think it was me and uh, my buddy Wes. Uh, we played a game called The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine, which is a trick-taking game like spades or i don't know but it was uh we played about 
12 rounds of it and it's basically like a puzzle game in a weird way so you've got a you've got a deck of cards and i believe there are like three suits in it there's black yellow and i want to say red or pink uh yeah and then there's some um like wild cards which are the spaceship deck which are black um but there's only in a three-player game we only had three of those out i want to say we had two three and four i don't know why it wasn't one two three but whatever um and then what you try to do is you have like a mission and the mission might be like uh, so one of you has to win the round with a three, which is a really low card and hard to do. But as you progress through it, those sort of missions get harder. Like, you know, you'll get one that's like the first thing you have to do is this. And then you can complete any other, like three other things in any order, or you have to complete these in sequence or, you know, it, it just gets, or, or like one of the people <clears throat> can't talk and they can't share information. And it, it just gets really, it's like a puzzle. It's 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 like the three of you are working at unraveling a puzzle, but you can't tell everybody what's in your hand. It's it's actually it's a very tricky game, and I, I really I really enjoyed doing it. It was a lot of fun. Well, that's it. Uh, a little bit longer than normal today because uh, it's been a little bit longer than normal between episodes. True that. Oh, I want to give a shout out to one more thing. I started listening to a podcast called Fairy Tale Fix, which is about two ladies who get drunk and talk about fairy tales. Like they read fairy tales to each other and 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 get smarmy about them and drunk. It's uh, it's quite entertaining. I I'll give it a thumbs up. Ooh. I've been having a good time. And it just started like earlier this year, like in October or something. So there's I think there's only like ten episodes, so it's really easy to catch up on. I'm gonna have to do that. I'm gonna have to do that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Not appropriate for the children, Jonathan. They drop the F-bomb a lot. Oh, they're after my heart. Who's my spirit animal, Robert? Come on. <laughs> the first couple episodes, I could tell they were they were trying not to, but at just some point, they just gave up and just... just you know, <laughs> almost just say they hurt. said, f*** it. Uh, you can choose whether to cut that joke out or not. I don't care. Uh, okay. Love you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of the off-the-shelf segment, which means, of course, it is time for our first break. But when we return, it'll be time for our Wisdom of Crowds. So join us in just a few minutes. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at Forgot My Dice. And of course, you can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, I'm going to cut his cord. And welcome back for the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. This is, of course, where we talk about all of the news that's making the headlines, which at this time of year is, frankly, not a ton. But we do have a couple items. So uh, I think it's me, you, me, right? Yes, you go first. All right. Well, some sad news today. Uh, as of December 31st, 2020, one last victim was claimed by the year of infamy. 
and that was the Battlestar Galactica Starship Battles Combat Miniatures game. Unfortunately, the Battlestar Galactica license is now back with uh, Universal Brand Development, which means that uh, Ares Games can no longer make it. And that also means that we are seeing two upcoming uh, expansions completely canceled. So we will not get the Faster Than Light and additional counter set uh, expansions. Uh, and the entire current stock of models will be completely discontinued come June 30th of this year. So if you are into that game, which I do recommend it, it's a very good game. Uh, it's basically Star Wars X-Wing with um, some added elements of altitude and um, momentum. It's uh, I, I was I really enjoyed my time with it. Now's the time to go get it. Peacock, I think, is going to reboot that program. So that's probably why, would be my guess. Yeah, it's just a pity because this was a really, really genuinely good game. And I hate to see it go so quickly. Wizards of the Coast will officially announce a new Dungeons & Dragons book tomorrow. I'm going to laugh if it's the one that you needed for the challenge. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it got leaked uh, on uh, Random House or somebody's website. Because internet. Yes. Uh, so it, it's confirmed that the cover got leaked, so we don't really know what's in it. But it, the cover says it is Candlekeep Mysteries with the subtitle 17 Mystery-Themed Adventures for the World's Greatest Role-Playing Game, which a lot of people are speculating last year before she left the company. Kate Welch mentioned she was working on a adventure anthology with nerd celebrities like Marsha Ray and Deborah Ann Wool. So this looks like it, that product. Uh, but yes, we will know officially tomorrow. So uh, Candlekeep is in, the- in two weeks. Yes. Yeah. But literally tomorrow, like by the time this episode comes out, it'll, it will have be been announced out in the wild. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, there you go. Well, I have a WizKids story too. Go, this was a Watsy story, not a WizKids oh, story, but go on. Whatever. No, it was, it was Watsy. While, while we're in the W's, let's go. With there the you WizKids. go. Uh, in conjunction uh, with Paizo, WizKids is uh, issuing a line of new miniatures and these are going to be a companion to an upcoming Pathfinder game, Pathfinder Battles Darklands Rising. So there's going to be uh, two different configurations that you can get. You can get a standard booster or a standard booster eight count brick, which to me just sounds like eight standard boosters. But, you know, what do I know? Based off of the dis- distribution of them, I think if you get a brick or I, getting a brick is actually good because the rare minis, you shouldn't get doubles if you buy a brick. Oh, I see. I, I found, I found a, a, a breakdown here. Standard okay. booster contains four miniatures. The booster will contain either two small slash medium figures and two large figures or three small slash medium figures and one huge figure. Mm-hmm. The standard booster eight count brick contains eight standard booster packs, meaning 32 miniatures in total. Mm. And looking at some of these sculpts, they're really actually quite pretty. I'll give Pathfinder this. It's got some good critters. Pathfinder goblins are hilarious. Yeah, they really are. So I, I don't think we brought it up, but uh, a while ago we talked about uh, a lawsuit filed by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman against Wizards of the Coast about their uh, Dragonlance novel not getting approved, blah, blah, blah. A little while ago, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman dropped their lawsuit, which everybody took to meant that they reached some sort of settlement. And I I think we got more evidence to that because Amazon UK has a placeholder for a new Dragonlance novel to be released on July 29th of this year. So, yes, looks like everything got settled out. So there you go. New Dragonlance novel. It's listed as paperback. There's no price. 
it might not even be paperback by the time everything gets put in there. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you go. Well, one last story for the day. I know there's not a lot of news. Like we said, this is just a really slow time of the year. We should start seeing the, the eventual crawl to the Gen Con fervor uh, really starting up in the next month or two. Uh, uh, after 2020, <laughs> we'll see. Hey, man, the, pa- the fact that there's still news is good news. That's true. That's true. So uh, the Unmatched series of games uh, launched just within the last year, and it's been doing very well. And now we are getting some new crossovers in Unmatched Marvel. There's two sets coming out. No, I take that back. There are four sets coming out. Redemption Row, which is going to have Luke Cage, Ghost Rider, and Moon Knight. Hell's Kitchen, which is going to have Daredevil, Elektra, and Bullseye. Teen Spirit, featuring Miss Marvel, Squirrel Girl, and Cloak and Dagger. And oh, yeah! And finally, for King and Country, which is going to have Black Widow, Black Panther, and Winter Soldier. So, yeah, that's coming in summer of 2021. Uh, and apparently they've hinted that this will not be the end of the Marvel stuff, as long as it, of course, sells, which all the unmatched stuff has. So, uh, yeah, it's something to look forward to from uh, Restoration Games and Mondo. Nice. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the end of the news. So much news. So much Riveting news. news. So much news. But that just gives us more time to analyze in depth our next segment, which is, of course, our No Time to Bond segment. And because it's the beginning of the year and we're kind of dragging our feet in the hopes that we have that, that next Bond movie, the final Craig movie to talk about, uh, we've we filled it. And much like a 22-episode of season of Battlestar Galactica, this filler is uh, not great. So today we're going to hit part 23 of our 30-part series, No Time to Bond, where we're watching all the 007 movies and a few additional movies in order of release date. And we are now in the early 2000s, my friend. 2003 and just the absolute car accident known as Johnny English. Directed by Peter Howitt, it was made for a $40 million budget and it brought in 165 million dollars dear god a where's the money because i don't see it on screen and b who went to that movie so fun facts i read off the internet there is a internet theory that this is actually a sequel to never say never again and that uh the small faucet character from that movie and johnny english are the same person which fits (laughs) um and then other people say nah that's it's basically a bad remake of the naked gun which also fits First of all, can we just say, if you're going to make a spoof movie, you really got to kind of make it funny. And I didn't laugh once. Not once. Not once. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I smiled once. I smiled when his tie got caught in the sushi bar and he just starts getting dragged down the aisle. That was enough (laughs) to get a smile out of me. Not even a chuckle, just a smile. I don't even want to bother explaining the plot. It was really stupid. But like, give us the Rowan Atkinson quote, because I mean, I think we can all agree that that's a good place to start because that's where I am. Yeah, he's on the record as saying he's disappointed in this movie, calling it, quote, five good jokes and a long of longures. I, I had to look that word up. I'd actually never seen it before. It means a filler in a novel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is why I described it like the 22 episode season of, season of Battlestar Galactica. Just so much that you can't have quality because you're just trying to fill the time. So watching this movie, what really dawned on me as I was watching it is, uh, there's for one, there's a lot of spy parodies, but... There's like seriously some really, really, really open room right now for a really biting spy parody because 
like Austin Powers got closest to it, um, but they did, especially with Doctor Evil. But they never quite got there um, because they and, got the Doctor Evil parody right. They got halfway there. Yeah, yeah, but and this this movie, I could see where they were going with it, where they were saying like Bond movies are about a guy that you assume is competent but is actually just incredibly lucky, which is fair. Like that's how Bond movies go. Generally, and he's speaking, got plot. Yeah, not all of them, but but generally. Yeah, so they're like, oh, so we will lampoon it by having a guy who's criminally, <laughs> like, like, like dangerously incompetent and has plot armor and is lucky and thus still wins the day. Kind of showing that Bond movies are stupid. And it's like, it's an interesting notion for a movie parody. I get it. The problem is, like, Austin Powers was kind of, like, lovable, even though he was sort of terrible, uh, a terrible, awful yeah, 60s he's, person. Yeah, he's the traditional lovable idiot. Yeah, but Rowan Atkinson's character, like, he accidentally fires, like, one of his spy watch darts into, like, a secretary's butt and, like, knocks her out. And then later you see her getting taken out by a stretcher. And then later after that you see her in a wheelchair. And it's, you know, played for laughs, but it's like – He's, and, he's and, not and a he, lovable idiot. He's just an idiot. Yeah, and he and yeah, and he's, like, covering up mistakes and he's just – yeah, yeah. It's just not a – Dude, he's, he's, he spends the entire movie lying to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's that, a pathological and, and, liar. Yeah, and that that's a problem. Like – and again, if if they went there to say something about it, but that's that's ultimately this movie's failing. Like they had a lot of interesting kernels of notions about how to parody the spy genre and they failed to grab at any of them. Probably because they weren't looking, but like like there's a whole speech. Uh, Natalie Imbruglia, I can't even say her name. Uh, she's in the movie as as the Bond girl basically. And there's this part uh, but, uh, near Imbruglia the end of the movie. A permanent place in my heart. <laughs> there's a part about halfway through the movie a little, little close to the third act where she you know says that she's for whatever reason very very attracted to johnny and johnny's bumbling through it and then she says oh you're such a gentleman you're not taking advantage of me in my state and like i thought i thought that they were setting up how just stupid it is that the bond girl falls in love with the 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 person or with bond you know for no real reason and and that they were going to go somewhere with it or, or something, but they don't. It's she's actually telling the truth in that sequence, as as they show later. And uh, and I I would love I would love to watch a Bond spy movie parody where the lead is really really old and the Bond girl is really really young, and they bring up frequently how creepy it is that there's like a twenty year age difference between the love interest and the dude because that that is a very Hollywood problem. But, uh, yeah, it's just – it's something that needs to be addressed because especially with Roger Moore, oh, my God, were they falling into that trap a lot. Yeah, no kidding. But, yeah, I mean that's the main problem because, like, the villain wasn't Dr. Evil level. It was it was played by John Malkovich and he, uh, and he was a Frenchman and, boy, did they make fun of French people. What the hell with that? <laughs> oh, like, God. Legitimately, I, I know that the British and the French have a lot of bad history, but, my God, this makes it seem like there's hatred. <laughs> Like, it's just one French joke after another. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. The, the entire time I was watching it and they kept making those jokes, I, I was thinking to myself, man, there is some, there is some, like, element of this that is societal in Britain and that we just don't get. Because as Americans, right. we're just sitting there just going, A, that's not a funny joke. And B, why, why the French? Like, stop it. Another problem with the movie is they play it straight a lot, like like well, like Naked Gun and Airplane, but uh, they just missed the mark because like John Malkovich has a really really stupid Bondian plan that has like a big gap 
where the how are you going to do the, use this to make money is because his plan is he's going to become the king of England through shenanigans and then turn England into a giant prison. And it, it's like a known plan. It's like I will I will get the crown of England. Step two, step three, turn England into a prison and profit. Like it's like ha- what? And and it's a very Bond villain plan because it's idiotic. But the problem is they play that guy straight for most of the movie that he's you know supposed to be kind of smart and whatever. And then he has the stupidest plan out of nowhere, you know. And and yeah, they just missed the mark on the villain and how stupid Bond. Yeah, it's just it's a bad parody because they just never quite grab at anything to just hang just, just shoot the the spy genre full of holes not the same way austin powers did austin powers at least with the villainy like they nailed that and austin too to an extent although you know they failed mrs kentington so yes <sighs> yes ultimately very disappointing still glad i watched it it made me realize that there there somewhere out there there is space for a really really biting like deadpool level meta spy parody that can hopefully shake out a lot of bad tropes that the spy genre still likes hanging on to. Yeah. I mean, like the, when you define parody, you're talking about deliberate exaggeration, right? And and the problem is that this movie plays it so straight that there's no exaggeration. It's just the the sad tale of a pathological liar as he bumbles through what should be a career-ending move. <laughs> yes. Like it, yes. it is legitimately just a sad film. It makes me sad. And no, we will not watch the next two movies in this series. I refuse. Oh God, no. Oh God, no. Yeah, no. I, I'll, I'll, I'll take a hard pass as well. Although I did love seeing my girls from Bond, the the band. Uh, I love Bond. That's a great band. Play classical music to techno beats. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad they were wasted in this. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. My God, it's got a 33% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. How? Yeah. How is it that high? I don't know, man. Maybe There's it's just too many the, threes the two- in that sentence. <laughs> Maybe it's just the 2000s. Like, the 2000s are a weird time. I don't know. Anyway, I don't think there's much to say. You know what we forgot to do last time, though, Jonathan? What's that? We forgot to look back at Pierce Brosnan's career as Bond and uh, talk about well considering yeah. what a train wreck this has been so far this is a good time let's do this let's let's switch to <laughs> you know while we're on the topic of bad choices let's uh let's go ahead and do this <laughs> like i think timeline wise he was bond for just as long as anybody else uh even though he only made four movies or maybe not i don't know was it only four? I'd I have to look it was five no he did four he did uh yeah, I guess Golden it, was Eye. Four. it was four yeah yeah so uh, and like a lot of Bond movies, they start really good, and then the last ones, they the last few start getting a little train wrecky. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting. It really is a mixed bag, right? So, so Goldeneye is an imperfect gem. It's not without its issues, and it holds on a bit too much to some of the the old campiness. Uh, but when it's firing on all cylinders, it fires hard, and it's good. And there's some, and arguably the best dialogue in any. Of the I Bond was films. just going to say that. I was good. I was yeah. just going to say that there's the, the the best dialogue of the Brosnan era in that movie. I wouldn't even say Brosnan. I would say in general, like I don't know, up I to where we see now. Daylights. That's got some choice lines too. It, yeah, but just the uh, the pathos in 006, like that stuff is yeah, probably no, the best that's, stuff. That's written. excellent. The, the 006 story is is genuinely compelling. As is all the visuals showing the 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 effects of the Cold War coming to an end because. That that is an important slice of history that we don't necessarily understand anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. Again, not without its issues, not without its stupidity, but Goldeneye really is a decent film. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, then you get Tomorrow Never Dies, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and I thought 
I, I would argue is the the best storyline of the movies, whereas Goldeneye is the best um, the best dialogue and probably the best characterizations. Toronto Everdies is just it's a fun action movie. It never. But it, it's oddly prescient because it, it feels more impactful today than it would have at the time, to be honest with you. It's true. It's true. I still think I think Goldeneye is like a better film film, but like Toronto Never Dies is just a really solid like action movie. Yeah. Like spy movie. Yeah. And then then things take a drastic turn. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this about Toronto Never Dies. Toronto Never Dies didn't take any risks. It was very formulaic. It very much, but it did. It hit on all cylinders. But, but what, it, what it's it was when doing. they started reintegrating all the crap that they had left behind in Tomorrow Never Dies. Because that's the other yeah. thing that Tomorrow Never Dies does really well. It leaves behind a lot of the old crappy tropes. Yeah, agreed. And and then when we get to um, the world, the is, world not is not enough. We're like, hey, remember those tropes we put down? It does. The, it does essentially the same thing as as what happens after the Living Daylights, where they're like, hey. We just made this badass movie. Let's go ahead and pick up all the old crap that we left behind because it's, you know, to us, this feels like Bond. And let's just reintegrate it and just almost kill off the franchise again. (laughs) (laughs) And then if it weren't bad enough, they go and do it again. And and they double down on it. Yeah. Because then we get to to, uh, die another day. And man, nobody, no, nobody wanted to die another day. We just, that movie just needs to die. It's that bad. It's like Johnny English bad. My wife was telling me we were really hard on that movie. And she's like, it's certainly not any worse than any of the other Bond movies. Oh, no, I'm it like, no, well, it, it's actually not like several of the Sean Connery movies are, 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 are pretty bad too, or, or the earlier movies. But I said that the problem is the, the problematic elements that were in die another day came out in like the early two thousands and you don't have the, you know, this is a sixties or seventies movie and it was a different time. Like, no, 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 this is too close to the modern day. They should have. That's known the problem. It belonged in the sixties or seventies and it, it was only 15 years ago. Yeah. And that's, that's where it all, well, I guess 20 years ago, I should say, but that's, that's yeah. where it all falls apart. Like it, it was revisiting themes that were dated 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. That was, and that was my problem with it. And, and the, the worst crime that it commits is that the, you know, declining quality. Like you've, you've got a, a pretty equal level of quality with Goldeneye and tomorrow never dies. And then there's a, there's a degrading uh, aspect to the next one. And then it's just like, it plummets like the wings fall off. So what can we say about Pierce? I don't think Pierce is the problem. And also he kisses really weird and it freaks me the hell out. <laughs> yeah. He gets very bitey. Yeah, what, what's no nibbles. No Pierce nibbles Brosnan. That's his official declaration on this show. <laughs> We'll just call Nibbles from nibbles. now on. He's just Nibbles. <laughs> here's, here's, here's the list of Bonds. There's there's Sean, inappropriate Connery. There's Roger, I can't decide what I want to be more. There's, um, I mean, hey, it's just I Timothy Dalton. Yeah, it's he's, just he's, Timothy he's, Dalton. I mean, Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Which, which maybe says a lot more about his casting than anything else. Like, like, why can't we have more Timothy Dalton? I, I so desperately want to watch Doom Patrol. That's what I'm watching next. I'm watching Doom Patrol because Timothy Dalton plays uh, is a character in that, and I need to watch that. Yeah, I, I do too, <laughs> especially after having just rewatched uh, Living Daylights again. Uh, and then, and then we get Nibbles, and, and Nibbles is unsettling. Nibbles, when Nibbles works, he works really, really well. He's got that 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 stare. He's got that uh, you know kind of like darkness uh, at the edges of his performance. And and he does a really good job of 
being smiley campy bond and then turning on agent bond, which is like, there's a dead kind of like a, a dead eyed look that he gets. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that really, really works, but he keeps on nibbling on everybody. And that doesn't like, did he go to the, the Mike Tyson boxing school or something? Like, why are you chewing on people? I really want to go back and watch Thomas crown affair. Now look for, see if he nibbles. God, does I he remember? I don't remember. I need, I need to watch That's, this now. If he nibbles, the I had very Russo. fond memories of that movie for a variety of reasons. Yeah. 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 Also another John go. McTiernan uh, movie that, that is awesome. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, maybe I'll go do that. Is, is that streaming? I want to see if nibbles comes out and <laughs> Thomas crown affair. <laughs> Yeah, we need to figure out, is this an endemic problem or or is it just when he's in the Bond movies? Uh, nibbles. I think I have an episode title. <laughs> just Nibbles. <laughs> oh, it's on stars, son of a bitch. Uh, I have that on disc, I think. Yeah, I could probably run it from the library. I'm not too shocked. I just, it'd be easier if I could just watch it. All right. Oh, my God. What are the chances? So I just what? Googled Thomas Crown Affair and I, I just see the original Steve McQueen, Faye Dunaway poster and Faye Dunaway is nibbling on Steve McQueen's lip. <laughs> I kid you not. I can't make this up. Well, I think we've all we said what we need to say about nibbles. nibbles. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the episode title. Long history, long of, nibbles. history of nibbles. <laughs> well, well <laughs> it, it seems like it's official. 2021, we are officially uh, uh, launching Nibble Watch, and we are going to do some Pierce Brosnan research and determine whether or not Pierce Brosnan is, in fact, a nibbler in real life, or if this is just a part of his characterization of James Bond. Part of me hopes that he nibbles all over the place, and part of me hopes that was a choice he made for Bond. I don't that would be- know what direction to take this. I'll be honest with you, I'm with you on the 50-50. <laughs> Because of the choice he made for Bond, we got, we got to. I think we have to examine that. <laughs> like, what does that mean? But let me be clear: don't you hurt my Renee Russo? Because I've been in love with her since like nineteen nineteen uh, what eighty eight, eighty nine, when she did Lethal Weapon. Oh three? yeah, she was in Lethal Weapon three. And I guess yeah, that was nineties. Yeah. That was ninety two because it was part three, the one with Joe Pesci. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Well, next up, Jonathan, we get to watch our first reboot movie man after die another day and johnny english back to back dear lord a i feel like i've been gut punched we also watched zardoz in oh there too. god We've- yeah i was trying to forget what a run we've had <laughs> i know how do I you know. go from 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 oh that what a treat three pete i know no, this is good. We Dying were really palate cleansing. Into Zardoz, into Johnny English, into the depths of a full-blown depression. <laughs> and now, hopefully we're pulling out, because I have fond memories of Casino Royale. Yeah, well, we needed the palate cleanse, Jonathan, so you're that, welcome. That wasn't a palate <laughs> cleanse. That was like a palate sewage dump. <laughs> well, now when something tastes good, it'll taste that much gooder. I don't know. I got nothing. Gooder's not even a word. What's happening? <laughs> oh, nibbles. <laughs> I'm, doing right. it. I'm Googling it. Is Pierce <laughs> Brosnan a nibbler? 
I apparently am not the first person to Google this. No clear answer, unfortunately. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, one last thing we do before the break, and that is the Year in the Life segment. That is, of course, where we look back in time in our Wayback Machine, and we look back 365 days ago at what we were talking about in, what, episode 78? 78. 78. Forgot My Dice, episode 78, Stick the Landing. We were doing our predictions from the year before. Huh, which is interesting, because we're about to have some answers from last year's predictions. Yes. And it was titled after how I thought that Star Wars, uh, the the Rise of Skywalker, was not going to stick the landing. And we got in a big fight about it. And uh, who won that round hinged on if that happened. I told you it was going to get worse. <laughs> and I'm, I'm talking about today's discussion. Yeah. And they, they, didn't, they didn't stick <laughs> So I won last year? I don't know. We'd have to go back and look. I don't think so, though. <laughs> it's uh other things we're talking about this, is it like, no there's never anything clear about it i do like our art from that episode that's the one where where i had like the the the, the johnny hat right yeah yeah we were looking at a, a green crystal ball cape? yeah yeah that was a good one yeah gina gina hit that one out of the park uh let's see what we we're also talking about i guess i was still playing dragon quest builders 2 <laughs> detective pikachu came up nice Oh, the Xbox Series X had what came up. Yeah, and then the PS5. You were talking about Red Star. We were talking about Shazam. Oh, man, this is never a bad day to talk about the Red Star. Yeah. Terry Jones, Medieval Lives, The Bloody Inn, Mandalorian, The Witcher, Three Days of the Condor. Good times. Oh, that's Tremors. Yeah, that was great. Tremors yeah, that was a good is episode. great. God, has it been a year since I watched Tremors? I think it's been a year since I watched Tremors. I think I was the one to watch it last. Because I, th- I remember I started watching them with my daughter. And we went through the whole series. God, I can't wait for Witcher season two. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. King of Air and Steam. Yeah, what is that nonsense? It's the one thing I don't recognize on that list. Oh, it was a TMG game. Did I play this? There you go, Jonathan. That's what we were doing a year ago. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this segment, which means it's time for another short break. And when we return... Who won the predictions from last year? Yes, it's time for our annual look back at our predictions from last year to see which one of us was closest. I don't know. Have you peaked? Is there a clear winner? Because I have not peaked and I have no idea. I can't even remember what I friggin said. I peaked because I, I had to put it together and I it's I, I think it might be you, but it's really close. Because Rona really screwed everything up. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I know we made some movie stuff last year. I, I, I think it might have even been around Wonder Woman. I, I wonder if maybe we need to asterisk at all, but I don't know. No, I can't remember what no, the, no, no, no. Because we put on our prediction hats. If we got it wrong, we got it wrong. How could anybody <laughs> see the Rona? Well, it goes to show our skill at soothsaying that we did it. We, neither of us has ever said we're soothsayers. And that's part of the gag. So that's why we got to play it straight, Jonathan. <laughs> All right. Well, we will return to this in just a moment. Uh, until then, enjoy this lovely break. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. 
Welcome back for the break. It is now time for us to look back in time and figure out which one of us is closer to a soothsayer, is closer to peering into our crystal ball and actually seeing the future. Although neither of us had Rona on our checklist, so I guess we both saw Yeah, yeah. That's probably going to be the story of the segment. one of us sucks just a little bit less than the other. Let's find out who. Yeah. So first things first, let's do some housekeeping. We came up with a new rule that the bonus point is now worth double bonus. Are we going to score under the new system or the old one? What, what what do we have in place when we... The original one was you could go for a sixth point, but if you lose, you get nothing. And I was saying the sixth point is not worth the gamble most of the time, so maybe we should have the gamble be, you know, you get double points because you have to be really, really specific. But if you get it, you get double points. I don't know. What, what, what's your gut tell you? My gut's telling me we should do the new system because why not? All right, let's do it then. Okay. Done. All right, groovy. Are you saying that because you already went ahead and peaked? Cause- no, I'm just saying that because... <laughs> It'll make me remember it next time better, hopefully. <laughs> Fair enough. Jonathan, you... I can't even remember what I predicted. How you, did I do? <laughs> you claimed that a claimed. board game will dethrone Kingdom Death as the highest grossing Kickstarter ever. Oh, that's pretty bold. Yeah. Kingdom Death made a lot of money. It did. It did. And, and I said no, because you had made that prediction a couple of years in a row, and that had been a safe bet for me. However, Jonathan, I am here to tell you, you won. Was it, was it the Gloomhaven thing? It was Frosthaven in May of 2020. Beat yeah, Kingdom the, Death. The Gloomhaven, uh, the Gloomhaven sequel, right? Yeah, it beat Kingdom Death by $600,000. So, Ooh, yeah, close. It's not a small amount. It's not a small amount, but considering we're talking about, you know, they were both like 12 million and change. It's just the change of Frosthaven was $600,000 higher. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you, you got that one. You, yes, you nailed it. And I, I, I will give you the full five for that. Cause I, I didn't think that would happen. So you said, you said that we're due for the next RPG thing. Yes. Yes. My classic, that, that second place game. And you saw, you thought it was going to be powered because of a popular stream. Now, what's interesting is the Rona made people turn to the internet. So if it was going to happen, this was the year. Yes. But you know what? It didn't yeah, ha- I, don't, I don't remember seeing an RPG really make waves no, this no, year. No, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. A lot, lot of cool indie stuff, but nothing, nothing huge. Nothing huge. Did I miss something? No, you did not. I did ask. So I get nothing. I did ask, however, can I have a pity point? Because I have said that thing like four years running now. And it has served me poorly those entire four years, but I keep I keep having the hope. Can I have one point for that or no? One point for tenacity. <laughs> let's, let's see. Let's see how we get to the end of the. <laughs> I've got a clear lead, and yes, I'll put a question mark there. Okay, one. You know I love you, but if I, I'll tell you what I will give you. I will give you the tenacity point if you give me benefit of the doubt later in this in in this program if it comes up. No promises. Let's let's continue. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, there are no promises on the pity point. The only thing I can promise is that you might have to have a pity party. (laughs) All right, Jonathan. Round two. You said the highest grossing movie this year (coughs) will be Wonder Woman 84. And you went for the double score by saying it would break $1 billion. (laughs) Which, Which you know as well as I do was a relatively safe bet in the time before Rona. Yes, but we were we were predicting the future, Jonathan. I said no because there are a lot of superhero movies that were coming out, which <laughs> No, not a lot of super movie. Because I, I thought it would be Black Widow or The Eternals. Uh I, I remember listening oh, to Oh boy, that. did the Eternals end up being a bad bet. 
well, and Black Widow, neither of them came out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So here's the problem with this. There's no problem. There's no yeah, problem. No, there we were predicting problem. the there future. Problem you can't. The put- movie was also simultaneously released on HBO Max, and we don't have a way to get any kind of revenue numbers out of that. All right. Well, here's- and that that makes it problematic. It doesn't this, make this it problematic. Already an asterisk. It here. doesn't make it problematic. Currently, Birds of Prey is sitting with 84 million in the U.S. and 201 million worldwide. Wonder Woman, as of today, which is several weeks now into 2021. Uh, is sitting at 32 million domestic and 131 million worldwide. So, but it's also the most popular movie for HBO Max and did generate revenue for its parent company. Right, but I forgot to check this because it it basically had eight days to to break a billion dollars, Jonathan. And it, it there's no way that happened. I don't think it broke a billion. Yeah, so you you lose, <laughs> like you lose, son. Like I'm sorry, but what if we adjust for Rona? I no, we're not adjusting for <laughs> Rona. That's part of the gimmick. All right, well, let, let's see. Let's see how you did on round two. Because I, I see here that you've got this listed as crackpot theory. I, I said it was a crackpot theory at the time. So you said 2020 will see the release of Player's Handbook 2, or as you are affectionately calling it here, Player's Handbook 5.5. And I believe I, I disagreed with you. I didn't feel like we were to the point where they needed to rev yet. Yeah, and funny enough, I, I made the same prediction this year. <laughs> I didn't and I still don't feel like we're there. I didn't I, I didn't. I didn't uh, I didn't, uh because I disagreed with you this year too, right? Uh, yes, you did. Yeah, because we're not there yet. I don't feel like the, the market's there yet. They're, they're still they're still pumping out fifth edition stuff with with enough regularity for me to think that fifth edition is is here for at least another year. However, and, and this is where we need to to how many points is this worth? Tasha's did come out this year, and it had a lot of stuff in it, including new class features and several new player archetypes and rules. It was a it was a player focused supplement. You know, no, I feel like the, you were wrong. Okay. Just like I was wrong about Wonder Woman. Okay. Oh, oh, is that where we're going now? The Rona did you dirty, baby. I'm blaming it on the Rona. Oh, it had nothing to do with the Rona. It, it, How do you know? It got. Can you attribute that? Be, do you know what it grossed on HBO Max? <laughs> we're talking about Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So am I. It's a big question. It Mark, grossed right? nothing on HBO Max. It wasn't made know? by HBO. How do you know? There's no proof. You don't have any proof. You don't have any numbers. I, I do have numbers. It's a My different case company. Closed. All right. All right, that's that's the game we're gonna play. That is the game we're gonna play. We can play. That I don't game. know. I don't know. Let's see here. Um, so you said you thought that there was gonna be a player focused supplement coming out. Yes, I did say specifically it was gonna be the PH. Now, when you said supplement, though, you meant like a full book, right? Yes, I did mean a book. So I don't know, because like Cauldron of Everything was a book, but it, it didn't rev the rules. It has new class features in it, like straight up. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you two points. Okay. I feel like two points is fair. Two points is fair. Okay. Would you agree that two I'll, points is fair? I'll, I'll take two points. I'll take two points. That's fair. I think you should give me a point for Wonder Woman. Just one. Because you know that it, it made money there. Jonathan, you're currently ahead of me by like seven. So you can... you can. That's not the point. You can F the, the right off. H- Co- it's, it's, correction, it's, you are currently ahead of me by pride. 13. You can F the right off. <laughs> so that's how we're going to be. When you're ahead of me by 13, Yes. And here I was being kind. How dare you, sir? How dare you? All right, round three. Round three. So uh, another movie prediction, which is bad, because that, that means the, the Rona's getting me again. Yep. Especially since, see, this one's even more problematic, because remember when Mulan came out. Okay, so we should say the, go ahead and say the, the thing first. You said that Disney's top grossing movie of 2020 will be Mulan. Okay, now here's the problem. Because Mulan, we know for a fact, made money past the normal cost of Disney+, Plus because they were charging 30 bucks for it. Mm-hmm. 
So that that means there really is legitimately a a, a large revenue stream that one could, in a sense, calculate. And especially since it did make make news, like Disney Plus said, it was it was profitable for them, right? I don't know. You know, I actually kind of forgot to uh, look this up. So, according to the Wikipedia's Mulan had a budget of two hundred million dollars and it made seventy million at the box office. However, let's see if they have. Disney Plus initially saw a 68% increase in subscriptions and subscriber spending increased by 193% due to the premier access fee. This article from Screen Rant says Mulan made a total of 35.5 million its opening weekend for Disney Plus subscribers from Disney Plus subscribers. So this is problematic, but I don't know if there's any follow-up info for the, for the next weeks, but we know that that's a pretty decent stream of revenue there. Immediately after Mulan was released on Disney+, Plus, it became the number one movie on the site and had a 15% viewer share among all titles streamed that weekend across every streaming service. Dear God, that's a lot of people. I know. That's a lot of streams. Yeah, the problem is there's not a lot of good numbers for this. Yeah, well, that's, that's inherently the problem with the streaming services because nobody's talking about what they're making. We'll probably get some breakdown during the, the annual annual numbers, but... I, I think this is worth some 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 partial credit here. I do. I've got people here saying that it made anywhere. Uh, this is based off of guesses, though, that it made anywhere between sixty million and two hundred million on Disney Plus, but they don't know, and that's the and problem. Then how much did it make in box office? Uh, about another one hundred and thirty-one. Okay, so that would put it at what one hundred and ninety million. Uh, well, let's see. If, let's go on the high end. It. it would be three hundred and thirty uh, if the, if it made two hundred million on Disney Plus. Okay, so 330, and then how much did, uh, what was the other top-grossing movie? Well, see, this is the problem. This is the problem. So tell you what, okay, okay, so here, here's the problem. So they, the highest-grossing movie that actually got released in theaters by Disney last year uh, was Onward, which made $141 million. And I, I think it's safe to say Mulan beat that. Probably? Probably. I mean, even if we make a more conservative estimate, even a 50% estimate, uh, it, it beats it, right? Because it made yeah. 120 in... Yeah, no, I'll give it to you. No, you're right. I'll give you five for that. God, thank you, Internet. That's amazing. That 15% viewership, that, that opening weekend across all streaming, that, that really is striking. Yeah. That is a lot of people, man. Yeah. Now, you disagreed with me. I did. And you thought it would be Jungle Boat, which at this time still has not seen release. No, no. Because it had Dwayne the Rock Johnson, I want to bet on Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I mean, that's a safe damn bet. I'll tell you that much. And given given the reviews for Mulan when it came out, I think it's safe to say you would have won that had Jungle Boat released. I know, I know. But you know what? Oh well, here we are, and Jungle Boat's at least another six months out, right? They're they're talking about this summer. Yeah, I don't even I don't even know to be honest with you. So, man, this Rona really threw us for a uh... yeah. So now they're, they're at July 30th of this year is where it sits currently. Okay, groovy. And I would not be surprised to see Disney sit on that for another year. Yeah. i got to be honest with you. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Jonathan. So, right. What, was, so what was my guess? So that, that, that got I, – did I – was there a bonus on that one? I can't remember. No, no. No, no bonus. You get full no credit. I'll, I'll give you five for that. I, th- I, I think the math works out. All right. So you said we will see the release of a Magic the Gathering block – and a D&D book in the same world at the same time. You thought that they were going to go for the cross-promotion. Yep. I I believe I disagreed with you, Yes, right? you did. You said, quote, these are two separate towers. And I still I still stand by that. Now, yeah. you follow this a lot more closely than I did. Yes. 
How'd we do? On January 24th, we got Theros Beyond Death. And on, in July, we got Mythic Odysseys of Theros. That is as close as I got in that year. Uh, so five months. I, I don't know that we can call six months apart close. It happened in the same year? 2020? I feel like that's still two separate towers, though. Because there's your two tent poles for revenue across a, a, across a fiscal year. That's true. I, However... It's still how much crossover was there, and was there cross promotion? I guess that's my clarifying question here. Uh, there was a bit of cross promotion uh, because Theros was sort of popular. I mean, given the Rona really screwed everything up because they might have done something for organized play. Poor to- prediction show, man. This prediction shows where they got screwed up by the Rona. I Thanks, know, Rona. Thanks, Rona. So, I mean, yes and no. There was a little bit of cross-promotion. Uh, stuff that happened in that set, they sort of make mention of in the book. That's about what do you mean, sort of? You're going to have to clarify. They, okay, so in the uh, – they don't, they don't talk about the storyline necessarily, but things they introduce in the storyline, like the Titans and like a few of the uh, – the, basically the demigods – uh, Nick's born as they are called in that setting. They are in that book, but like the overall storyline of the set is not in that book, but it is, it is in Theros because the, the, the D and D book happens timeline wise. It does happen before the net, the set, because in the set, uh, basically Zeus, Theros's version of Zeus gets thrown into the underworld for a while. And, uh, that has not happened at all in that, in the D and D book. So do you, do you feel, do you feel like you have earned? I do not feel I got five points. Uh, no, but do you think you've earned partial? The, the fact that they released a magic set in the same world as a and d book in the same year. I'm not like the thing is, I can't find if that was intentional or not. You know, like, mm-hmm. like it feels, it feels a little too close for comfort because a lot of the people who work on everything, like James Wyatt, he's a story guy for magic, but he, he's been, you know, loaned out to the D and D team to do stuff like this. So, you know, it's like the guy who worked on the story for the magic set, then goes and writes the book <laughs> in the same world on, of the magic set. Like, I don't know it, it, how about this? If, if you gave me two points, I'd be happy, <laughs> but I think you, you disagreed and I think you're right. So you'd get five and I'd get two. Yeah. I feel like that's fair. I'm willing to see you there. All right. So Jonathan, this was some BS. This was some BS round four. You said I will back less than five Kickstarters this year. And then like I like an idiot did not ask you how many Kickstarters you had actually backed in 2019 to be as like a. Well, and to be fair, I did not remember. I didn't. Right. Go and look right. But then after. we found out it had done. Th- you, you had done three. And, and I'm an idiot because I should have asked that question. I feel stupid for not asking it. But anyway, Jonathan, how many Kickstarters did you back in 2020? All right. Let's let's take a look because I have I will need to log into Kickstarter. And man, did I put my thumb on the scale hard? I, I sent you so many Kickstarters. Yeah, that was really crappy of you. And I think I broke on one of them too, didn't I? Yes, you did. It was great. You bastard. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Oh, yeah, because you, you broke me with Marvel United. Mm, you kept yep. sending me pictures of really cute, chibi Marvel characters, you SOB. Yeah, yeah, that, that was How me. How dare you? That was me. I'll, I'll cop to that. <laughs> One, two, three. Okay, I've got... I, I see three. I think I've got three this year. Trudevang Legends looks like it was funded in March of 19. Okay. So that would mean that this year I have Foundations of Rome. Yep, that was... Marvel this- United 
and Ankh, gods of Egypt. Yep, that sounds about right. Because you, you, I was trying to get you in on uh, a couple of things, including uh, the Hellboy RPG. Oh man, I really, I've, I'm kind of regretting that one. Are there late pledges on that? I don't know, man. You have to look it up yourself. So yes, indeed, sir. I did. I do think you backed sub five. Yeah, I've got three here. I show three. I should have. I should have asked how many you actually backed in 2019. Because you were you were really Kickstarter heavy, but I know a lot of people who it seems like a lot of people aren't backing as many Kickstarters right now. But when they go in, they go in big. That's well, and I did go in big on Ankh, and I did go in big on on yeah. Actually, I went in big on all three of those. Yeah. The only thing I didn't get on the Foundations of Rome was the the playmat because it was ridiculous. Like I don't have a table big enough for it. <laughs> All right, uh, what do we have here? Your final prediction was Deadpool 3 will be announced in 2020 and it will be in the MCU. And I agreed with you. I said I think it will happen. Yes, and we failed, actually. Yes, we did. We failed together, baby. Yeah. So on December 27th of 2019, they reported that they were working on it or there was a little buzz about it coming out. And then today, Jonathan, today, Kevin Feige uh, said that, quote... It will be R-rated, and we are working on a script right now. Ryan is overseeing the script, and it will not be filming this year, and it will indeed be in the MCU. So, yes, announcements came in 2019 and 2021. (laughs) We missed it by 11 days. Yep. But that is a clear miss. I don't think there's any partial credit there. That's a clear, clear miss. Yep. All right, so I hope you've been keeping score. (laughs) Oh, I've been keeping score. I've been keeping score. How do we do? Well, Jonathan, I have 10 points from a smattering of things I was right about. And you, Jonathan, have 30. Wow. How did I get 30 points? Prediction one, board game will dethrone kingdom death. I disagreed. Five points. You won. Woo, all right. Can't make it again this year. I think I did, didn't I? No, you didn't. I don't actually. Oh, I don't all know. right. Look at me go. Uh, my thing was the next RPG thing, which I didn't get and you did. And I said, nope. The next one up was the highest grossing movie this year will be Wonder Woman, and I agreed with you so on that one. did I get points for the nope? Yeah, you got points for the nope. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's where I was missing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You won't even give me partial credit for Wonder Woman, but that's okay. Well, yeah, no. Because then, then you'll beat me by more than 20, Jonathan. Do you, really, do you need to be that greedy? <laughs> it's not about being greedy. It's about being right. Oh, I thought we were just having a fun game. We are having a fun game. I'm just being kidding. Although, although I think we have now decided that I have retroactively won last year because Rise of Skywalker did not stick the landing. That was that was the thing my win hinged on. I would call last year a tie. You'd call last year. And a if tie. I'm to be honest, I can't even 100% remember what we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. I do not. I don't want you to have a four peat because I don't, I don't like here's being, the problem. I don't like at the, at the time, at the time, I did feel like it stuck the landing. It was only just recently that I've started revising my thoughts on that. Yeah, but I had those thoughts from the beginning. <laughs> I was saying that from so, the beginning after I watched you know, it. I'd, I'd like the listeners to weigh in on this. Like, well, we had the listeners weigh in on it, and Ray stabbed me in the back. But see, my interpretation with multiple viewings is now beginning to change. So I don't know if we retroactively uh, go back and decide it. I don't know. I don't know. Because I was still high on the seeing it in the theaters thing. Man, remember movie theaters? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pepperidge Farms remembers. Yeah. I don't even remember. I, was that the last movie I saw in the theaters? It might have been. This that is, was the last movie I saw in the theaters. Yeah. This is this is riveting radio or whatever. We're, we're great. 
All right, I'll, I'll I'll say this. Let's 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 let the the listeners weigh in on whether or not my my retroactive disgust uh, is is worth flipping the score. I just don't want you to have a four peat because you're going to lord that over me, and it really bugs me. Well, there you have it, folks. That is the end of the 2020 predictions, uh, and and whether or not we nailed it. I get I, I, this year was clear. There was a clear win. There was there was no there was no question. I I kind of decimated it. Yes, Jonathan. Well, it's okay because last year there were a lot of questions. Look, we're still arguing about it a year later. That's true. Well, that brings us to the end of episode one of two of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. We would love to hear from you and Robert for the first time in 2021. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I was I was really upset that Jackie died. It it, it bummed me out. I gotta say, it's it's not great. Changeling the Dreaming. I don't know why I got really into that game. We've <laughs> talked about it on the show before. Yeah, yeah. It's one. I, I think it's I think it's the reason. Oh no, no. Delta Green's the reason we have this podcast because that came out first. But it's one of the reasons we have this podcast because I came on your old show and talked about Changeling, twentieth anniversary, which she worked on. Yeah, the long and sad tale about about Changeling was it was kind of a unloved game, and so they moved it to their niche publishing line, and Jackie and Nikki took it over. Like they were the editors in chief and kind of steered that ship. And I just, I, I just really like Changeling, and it's it's a bummer that she it died. It's a neat, neat universe. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It's making me want to dust off my copy of the twentieth anniversary edition and actually run it, so I can, uh, I can, I can pour some out for my homie. But yeah, you know what? Honestly, it's it's yet another reason to hoist the middle finger at 2020. <laughs> yes, Definitely. yes. The Rona, the Rona is the worst thing ever. Yeah, yeah. So, and and and, let, and let's be clear. Like you know, Nikki, Nikki, they, they they were working on this stuff in the early 90s. They were women writing role playing games, and they were gay. In the early '90s, I mean, they were that. That is that is uphill. Trailblazers of all trailblazers. Yeah, and, yeah, and that that is something to be absolutely respected. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's just a bummer. And I don't know what they did between because when when Onyx Path fired up again, they it seems like they just started jumping back into it. But there's this kind of good long period where they weren't writing, which is sad. Go buy Changeling. Go buy that bundle. Like a lot of that money. That, that's a hell of a bundle. Yeah, a lot of that money is going straight to her. So straight to Nikki. So yeah, yeah. Get get Changeling stuff and buy that bundle. I might buy that bundle. There's there's stuff that wasn't in the Kickstarter in that bundle. So it, it's actually. Worth I, I'm going to buy the bundle as well. That's the least that I can do. Yeah, and then you can see my name in the, in the, the Kickstarter back credits in the big book. And what a handsome name it is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a it's a nice book. That book's really sweet. You showed it to me once. That's, that's the one with super nice cover and all the really nice art. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very colorful. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, back when you lived around the corner from me. Damn it, Robert. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode, which means there's only one last thing to say, and that is, of course, and this is more important than ever before, given current events. Yeah. Oh, crap. Please, regardless of your belief structure, be excellent to one And party on. Party on. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 